This podcast is sponsored by From Idea to Opportunity. From Idea to Opportunity is a self-paced video course that teaches you how to book the talk of your dreams. Are you dreaming of stepping on the red dot but don't have any idea where to start? Or maybe you've applied to conferences and been rejected, but you don't know what's wrong or how to fix it. In From Idea to Opportunity, we teach you the same system we've used with our one-on-one clients for years to put speakers on the world's most prestigious stages. In fact, within just two weeks of launching this course, a student successfully booked the talk of their dreams without ever speaking to us personally. So if you're tired of waiting on the sidelines, watching friends and colleagues deliver the talk of their dreams, wondering when it's going to be your turn, go to bookthetalk.com. Click enroll and start your journey today. That's bookthetalk.com. Go make a dent in the universe. Welcome to Beyond the Red Dot, the show about influential speakers, the talks they gave, the impact they've made, and how you can do it too. I'm your host, Brian Miller, the founder and lead coach at Conquer the Red Dot, where we help you book, write, and deliver the talk of your dreams. I'm joined by my co-host, our Conquer the Red Dot master coach, Lindsay Ray Cohen. Lindsay, what is going on today? Brian, hey, it feels like a Friday, even though it's a Thursday. It's got very Friday vibes to me. I love it. We've got a great guest today. Our guest today is Carrie Co. Carrie is a former healthcare executive, now a business coach and founder of the Profitable Happy CEO Community. She helps professional-driven women entrepreneurs monetize their authority without icky cold reach or expensive paid ads by uncovering their personalized client attraction strategies. In 2019, Carrie gave a TEDx talk entitled The Four Choices to Overcome Adversity. Carrie, welcome to be on the red dot. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Your talk was really impactful. I, I watched it today and then I, I watched it again today. I watched it, I watched it twice because I think there's some really incredible, incredible points. But before we get into the journey about how you wrote your talk, how you got on the stage, I want you to tell our audience a little bit about your TED talk itself. What was your big idea worth spreading? Well, my TED Talk was about really four choices that I made that helped me take a really, really difficult situation that, you know, we all have in our lives. We all have adversity. And the real question was, how do you take that adversity and not only grow from it, but thrive from it and become the version of you that you're meant to become? So that was the the topic of my talk. It was based on um, a very personal journey that I had with my son who was in the NICU for five months and was born with a rare muscle disease that we did not know he had until three months into his life. And so I really honed in on those four choices that not only allowed me to thrive after his unfortunate death, but really thrive during his life, which was the meaning of like how we can thrive through adversity and really just become that person that we need and be and want to become. I love that. There's one line in your talk that jumps out to me, and I'm going to let you say it, but what did the nurse in the NICU say to you? Oh, that one line, that one statement changed my life. What if you walked into this room and said, 
how can I make this day the best day for Elliot? And literally, it brings tears to my eyes saying that again. I haven't said that out loud probably since my TED Talk. But what that taught me is you never know the role you're going to play in someone's life. We are all part of someone's story. And so just really coming at life as your truest version of yourself will change the game for someone in your life. I got to say, it's it's really great to be catching up with you. On this podcast, we only occasionally are speaking with folks that I've actually worked with. Most of our guests are just people who've given talks and wanted to come talk about the journey. And But of course, you and I worked together on this. And boy, it just feels like a lifetime ago now. And of course, you came into our work together having already been invited to a conference. And so we were doing the tweaking the idea, writing the script, rehearsing for it. And the number one question was, how are we going to take a potentially downer quote? I feel like that's a word you used in one of our early sessions. How are we going to take like a downer of a topic and build an uplifting talk about it. I remember you were so adamant, I want this to be a positive, uplifting, even a light talk, even though it was rooted in a dark, difficult subject. What's your memory of of going through that process? Well, you know, I think that's that's right. I was really concerned about, you know, especially at that point in my journey, when you talk about the death of a child, you know, it's something that people can't imagine. And this talk wasn't about my adversity. It was about all of our adversity, the human connection that we have through adversity. And instead of connecting over the problem, let's really connect over the possibility. And so my, my main recollection is you being so brutal at cutting out this, <laughs> this talk. I mean, it was the greatest gift that you gave me. I'm like, really? Really? We're not? We're going to cut that part? Do you, do you know the, the nickname that I give Brian? <laughs> I call him the sous chef because he's always there chopping stuff up and throwing away everything that we don't need and leaving us what we need for our meal. So as someone who was his client at first, oh my God, can I relate with you <laughs> Oh my gosh. And it's such a gift for you to just see through all the stuff that doesn't matter. And you said to me something that really stuck and really helped me deliver a powerful talk, which was like, listen, you're going to rehearse this thing probably 200 times. And I did. My five-year-old then like knew the talk by heart. (laughs) Like literally he was quoting my TED talk. But you said to me, you have to feel every single word, every single punctuation mark, every sentence in your bones. Like this has to be your truest version of you. And that was such a gift that you gave me, not only when you got what I thought was amazing content, but really just in that delivery of knowing that the moment I stepped on that stage, I embodied this talk. Like we had done the work. We had, you know, really examined each letter within that script to make sure it was super meaningful. So I I appreciate you for that. I'm so glad you felt that way. And what's so funny is that over the last couple of years, I've actually started congratulating my speakers before they give their talk. Basically, the two days before when I do my last touch point with them, I calm them down from the panic that they almost like clockwork have two days before the talk. I do that call and then I congratulate them and I do it preemptively because as far as I'm concerned, that's it. You've done it. 
that is the conclusion. The talk itself, I'm always like, you know it, Cole, you're just gonna go do it now. Like we did the work, this is what it was for, now just go give it. And I, I, I see that more as the congratulation point. Uh, so I'm, I'm thrilled that, that you were able to do that. I'd love to get your perspective because when you're a coach and you're a coach, so you know that and when you're a coach for somebody else, you have a very different perspective on the process than they do. Your talk was the first experience I think it was the first talk I'd ever worked on that was rooted in something that was a really deeply difficult personal story. I was used to working much more in the entertainment space for a long time. And since then, it kind of accidentally became like why people find me. I feel like every talk I work on now is somebody with this incredibly traumatic, deep, dark thing in their past that wants to be able to tell it in an uplifting way. But Yours was the first time I ever did that work. From your memory, how was the writing process? Obviously difficult, I chopped stuff out, but like what was the writing process like from your end to be able to produce that? What were you thinking about in that space? Mm. I always say the process of preparing for a TEDx talk is the deepest personal work that you will ever do, especially, you know, with a topic like mine. But the process was truly one of self-discovery of my truest voice, my truest experience. Did I believe this in my bones, right? Was this the way that it really happened? And I think that it was a pretty confronting process because, you know, you kind of do this brain dump and you've got these signature stories that are part of your process that were so meaningful. But then when you peel back the layers and go to that next level, you realize that the lessons are even more compatible with other people's experience than you thought. And so that writing process was, there were a lot of tears. (laughs) There was a lot of breakdowns to break through. And, you know, I really think that like this experience helped me accelerate my grieving process, which is a beautiful gift that I had no idea I would receive from standing on that stage. And and I think from your perspective, you know, coming at this from the place of true service of like your expertise and knowing what translates from the red dot to the audience was so helpful for me because it's such an emotional piece that you brought that logic to match the emotion. And I think that was a beautiful marriage of logic and emotion and how it can impact the audience. I couldn't agree with you more. Having been Brian's client and, like I said, going through this process, he says something that that always resonates with me, and it's about speak from your scars, not your open wounds. And I think that that's one of the things that this process helps us do is even if we think the wound is super closed, we go into the talk and it opens it and it peels it back exactly like you said, like an onion. And then we get to confront it in a completely new way. As opposed to it hurting us, we get to confront it and how do we use this to help others? So knowing that, I want to know what was it like for you knowing that this was going to be part of your story and how you approached getting your actual TED Talk? How did you get invited? Did you know someone? Tell me a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I knew that I had a message inside of this experience. It was a very unique approach we took (laughs) to this really difficult experience. And I knew I wanted to get it out in the world. And I didn't know how. And you know, it's like Facebook ads, right? When you start thinking something, 
<laughs> the ad shows up. <laughs> it kind of happened like that. I started to see people talking about TED Talks, people talking about how to land the stage. And I thought, hmm. And so I booked a call with someone who gave free ideation sessions for your TED Talk. And I said, you know, I don't know what this is, but I just think there's something there. And, you know, the idea we're spreading, there's a lot of pressure on that one tagline, isn't there? Like, yeah. I don't know. Is my idea worth spreading? Am I worth spreading? I don't know. And so it was really like having that conversation with somebody who, he was a organizer, TEDx organizer, and knew the things. And so just having that validation of like, no, this is something that would be very powerful really helped me on my journey. And then he had some people who helped me really map out what I needed for, you know, the application process. And then walking through just that process as I was growing a business and raising my son, it was really helpful to have somebody who knew the world. And yes, you have to do, give your three-minute version and go through the interviews and all of that. But just to have someone to guide me through that process was super important. I'm a coach. I believe all coaches need coaches. And the TEDx stage is such an important piece of anyone's journey that there was no way I wanted to do that alone. So I had that support in landing the stage. And then my coach at the time was also Brian's client. And she referred me to Brian, and that's how we got connected for the scripting portion. And was it Kate? Yeah, Kate. Oh, I had completely forgotten how you and I got connected because you know it's been years now. Yeah, that's right, Kate. I'm talking with Kate again in a few weeks, actually. Oh, yeah. I love Kate. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to Kate. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Kate Scudder. <laughs> I love it. So, so what problems arose during your writing process? Because I know we've got Brian sitting right here, which makes it really extra interesting to have this conversation with you. What was it like writing it and digging deep and and really doing that work? What came up for you that made it difficult? So. So uh, brevity is very difficult for me. <laughs> As a former healthcare executive, I have written a lot of business plans and done a lot of speaking and presentations and all of the things, but this was such a different beast <laughs> because brevity matters. So the difficult piece for me was to really look at the important pieces that really articulated the journey that other people can grab onto, right? I had so many powerful stories. I mean, millions, right? Of those moments. It's those moment to moment stories and choices that create our future. And so it's like, how do you hone down? And so really, as I mentioned, this kind of accelerated my grieving process. And so as I was sat in those stories, as I sat in those moments where that nurse said the one thing, the nurse who is my lifelong friend now, right? Like just reliving those painful and yet beautiful experiences was hard and it was amazing and beautiful and life-changing. So I have people who are like, how'd you do the, the TEDx stage? Like, how, how, what was that like? It's like, if you don't want a personal development journey, <laughs> stop right now. <laughs> if you don't want to grow, like the growth is in the journey, right? As, as is so often in our businesses. But like the growth that I experienced, it was hard. It was deep. It was powerful. And there was a lot of moments of just sitting in my own energy feeling those distressing emotions and then choosing how I wanted to feel instead, you know, choosing that more empowered approach, but allowing the grief, allowing the tears, allowing the pressure to be what it was, right? Because in the beginning, it's so much pressure and you don't know how you're going to pull this off seamlessly, right? 
But it's trusting you just take one step at a time. Speaking of pulling it off seamlessly, let's let's move forward in time to the conference itself. I think this is one of the most mysterious parts. I mean, there's the whole thing with the red dot is a little mysterious for people. It's very much the Wizard of Oz kind of behind the curtain thing. I'm like, let me pull back the curtain. This is it's not as mysterious as you think it is. But the conference itself, every conference is independently organized. We've talked before about uh, on the show about how it's kind of more like a franchise that people don't realize. It's it's not as controlled by the global TED platform as people think it is. Every conference organizer licensee can kind of do whatever they want as long as they hit the main guidelines. So your conference, and this is a part of the process I never get to see because I end my thing and then they go off and I just hope and pray and wait for a few months for the thing to come out. What was the actual process like? Was there any speaker coaching support from the conference? Were there dress rehearsals? Were there tech? I mean, or were you just like, I walked up there, did my thing and that was it? Oh man, it was planes, trains, and automobiles to get there. Number one, my sister came with me and um, it was at a college. It was at a university and it was run by college students. That's right. My sister... Um, um, has a background in, in musical theater and all the things. And so she helped me get the mic, you know, positioned and all of the things. Your because sister helped you do that, not the conference? My sister did. I mean, there were college students helping, but it was like, oh, this isn't feeling right, right? And so oh. my sister did the thing. Um, but yes, there was dress rehearsals to check the sound and all of the things. And that is where you take your pictures <laughs> for social media during the dress rehearsal. That was a good tip you gave me, Brian. I, I did not know. <laughs> so my sister took all of my social pictures. And so it was, you know, the day before, it was a complete snowstorm, middle of Indiana. It was it was in January in Indiana. The dress rehearsal was great. You could, I changed my look after that, after seeing the pictures. And, you know, you're with a group of people, right? So there, you're not the only one. There's a group of people that are, that are doing the thing and there's some camaraderie there, like, oh my gosh, it's happening, right? So the day of, you're all mic'd up, you're in this holding area and then it's your turn to be backstage. And the gentleman who went before me froze, He's on stage. He forgot his lines. And so I, here I am all mic'd up and you can see him in the little screen. And I just had so much empathy for this guy. And of course they edit all of that out, but you don't know that in the moment, right? That's not what comes to mind. And he, he got himself kind of situated and remembered his line and finished. And he was just so devastated walking off the stage. And I knew I just had to pull myself together. And I stood there and I closed my eyes and I said out loud, Carrie, this is not about you. And I walked out on that stage and all of those 200 times I rehearsed, it just flowed. And the feeling of being done <laughs> was nothing better. <laughs> Walking off that stage, like I am never, ever doing that again, is truly, it's probably like childbirth though. Like you give it enough time and you do it again. I love that. So what is the most amazing or unexpected thing that has happened to you since your talk went live? Um, so much has happened since my talk went live. So COVID hit literally right after my talk went live. And at the time I was coaching and consulting in, in healthcare and that all went away, right? And with COVID, leadership isn't exactly the priority. And so I very quickly pivoted my business and helped other women build businesses like I had. And TEDx has been the platform of, you know, it gives you this external authority. But one of the things that I tell everyone is do not worry about the view count. You don't need an enormous view count 
to monetize your authority. And I am a firm believer in, in uh, quality over quantity. And so when I look at what this journey has given me, I don't have a million views because I didn't focus on the vanity metrics. I focused on how can I monetize this, use my authority that it has given me, that external authority. How do I monetize my internal authority because of it? And so I have built a multiple six-figure business and only have 10,000 views on my TED Talk, right? Yeah. But probably the biggest, like the one thing is when you look at the people the individual people that are impacted by your talk somebody booked a call with me i thought it was a sales call and she was like i can't believe i'm talking to you i was like why <laughs> why can't you believe that she's like i just i watched your ted talk and i did not know i had a choice and she left a decades long abusive relationship with an adult special needs child moved across the country and restarted her life because she learned she had a choice that makes everything worth it it, 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 like, that's it. Yeah. That's why we do it. Yeah. That one person. Yeah. So that was really cool. That was probably the most impactful thing that's happened since then. Impact versus views forever, forever, forever. Yeah. And I, I heard you say that multiple times in multiple different ways on here. And that to me just really, really jumps out. Brian, I think that, that you could speak to that because that's what I hear from you all the time is that if somebody's trying to give a talk for the views, they shouldn't give a talk at all. Not worth it. Easier ways to get new business than giving a TED Talk. Almost everything is an easier way to get new business than giving a TED Talk. Just run some good, clever Facebook ads with a cat in them. Like, seriously. And also, I've had people say to me, people who are like a coach or a consultant or a speaker, they say, my talk only has 2,000 views. And I go, how many coaching clients do you need a year? How many speaking gigs at $10,000 a pop do you need a year? I don't know, 30. Great. You have enough people who've seen your talk for a lifetime, for a whole career already. So you need to be finding these people who are watching and enjoying and sharing your talk, right? That, like you said, that's the internal authority that you need to take. People think, oh, when I hit 200,000, that's the number. When I hit 2 million, that's not. I know people with 10 million views and they have no sales, no business because they didn't, it, they didn't do anything with it or it wasn't connected meaningfully to the audience. It was more about them. It was whatever, right? There's lots of things that can happen. So yeah, I mean, the view count, I mean, you can get wrapped up in that so easily. So if we're going to wrap this up, which we have, I think like one minute, two minutes left here. If you had to give just one piece of advice to an aspiring TEDx speaker, somebody giving a TED style talk, even if it's not actually the red dot platform itself, what would that be? What's your big piece of advice? I would say set your intention and every action you take is based on that intention. And as you mentioned, if it's to get clients, that's the wrong intention because you'll go into this talk from a place of need instead of desire. And whenever we have that pressure and, and that expectation, that's not how you attract clients, right? So just focus on the impact, focus on that intention and build a sales and marketing strategy. Once you've got this thing done and wrapped <laughs> That's how you monetize. You gave such great advice today. I think that that's really wonderful. And one thing that I would say just to kind of finish this up is your talk doesn't end as soon as you deliver it on the stage. That's when it begins. 100%. Yes, that is so important. Absolutely. Thanks Thank so you, much. Carrie. It was amazing to have you today. Oh, so fun. This is so great catching up. Let's find even more time to catch up after we're finished recording here. So great to see you. <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. So good to see you, Brian. 
Oh my gosh, Lindsay, that was so much fun for me catching up with an old client, somebody that I got to work on with this. So I actually wanna hear from you. What is your main takeaway from our conversation with Carrie? For me, it was about intention. The most important thing that you can do is go into your talk with the intention to impact your audience and not for views, not to promote yourself, but to make a change in the listeners, the viewers and the readers. And it was just, it was just a great podcast. I really enjoyed her. It was really fun. Absolutely fantastic. I I couldn't agree more. Thanks so much for listening and let's go make a dent in the universe. This podcast is sponsored by From Idea to Opportunity. From Idea to Opportunity is a self-paced video course that teaches you how to book the talk of your dreams. Are you dreaming of stepping on the red dot but don't have any idea where to start? Or maybe you've applied to conferences and been rejected but you don't know what's wrong or how to fix it. In From Idea to Opportunity, we teach you the same system we've used with our one-on-one clients for years to put speakers on the world's most prestigious stages. In fact, within just two weeks of launching this course, a student successfully booked the talk of their dreams without ever speaking to us personally. So if you're tired of waiting on the sidelines, watching friends and colleagues deliver the talk of their dreams, wondering when it's going to be your turn, go to bookthetalk.com. Click enroll and start your journey today. That's bookthetalk.com. Go make a dent in the universe.